Independent. Expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Joe Armstrong. Thank you ever so much for listening to Independence Day. This is the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers, and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances, and inside information, all without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. This week on Independence Day, Double Knot Spy Car. Musicians make music for all manner of reasons, and Los Angeles' Double Knot Spy Car is what happens when four ace players get together to make music for themselves. To hear them doing their thing, one might think the band has an identity crisis. Disparate styles crash against one another like an iceberg in an ocean liner, and the delicious challenge is watching the whole thing stay afloat. Begging a mixed metaphor or two, it's a musical high-wire act that is a thrill to experience, or perhaps a perfectly noir-twisted soundtrack to a Charles Bukowski acid trip. At a cursory listen, Double Knot Spy Car sounds like an instrumental surf band with a Zappa Jones. Multi-instrumentalist Paul Lack's Lefty Lapsteel provides both dreamy, sleepwalk-esque melodies and ethereal atmospheric shades. Marcus Watkins' Space Invaders' analog delay screeches, ripping solos, and gutsy chording complements Lack's unique individual approach. Bassist Mark Doten provides a solid foundation from which to improvise, as well as taking some flights of his own. And drummer Joe Berardi keeps the tempos moving with a push and pull that helps the whole ensemble cook. But if you go deeper, it's all there. Rock and roll, jazz, funk, blues, and whatever else suits the ensemble's collective fancy, sometimes all within the same song. Their new sixth album, Moof, exhibits their stature in the Los Angeles music scene with their ability to invite other legendary players to contribute. Among them, Nels Klein, Mike Watt, Joe Biza, Danny Magoo, Sarah Adrazoni, and a host of others. All in all, Moof and the ethos of Double Knot Spy Car is an ode to how great music can be when an ensemble has the courage to jump together into the ether, and in doing so, take their audience on a wondrous ride. Welcome to Independence Day, Double Knot Spy Car. Gentlemen, hello, how are you? Hey. Hello. hello. And I use that term loosely. You guys have that thing that like all bands have, which is like an inexhaustible supply of inside jokes and like running jokes and... But this group has been together. Uh, Paul, would you call yourself kind of the de facto leader of this thing, Paul Lax? No, I'm just the oldest just the member oldest. In, in various ways. Age, age before beauty is age how that goes. Age before beauty, yeah. And, but, but did you, like, so who, where, how did this start? Because this is something that goes back a pretty long while. You guys have, what, five albums, four albums? We have, yeah, I think it's our fifth album coming out, uh, or the new one, Move. Yeah, um, brand new. Yeah. Um, so how far back does this go? We, uh, uh, it all started in Mike Tempo's garage. Mike Tempo's a great percussion player who's been in millions of bands, and uh, it evolved out of a couple of earlier bands, but we basically started jamming in his garage with uh, another Bone Daddy guy named Rick Moores and a guy named Bron Teeman, who has vanished from the face of the earth, and myself, and that was the original combo. And stylistically, um... I've been thinking about how to describe what you guys do, and there's a l- there's a little of a lot or a lot of a little in this stylistically. You're kind of all over the place, um, challenging the listener, I would say, because you know even song like within a verse of a song, you'll drastically change what you guys are doing. So that was kind of built in from the beginning, I guess. I, I think the songs have actually evolved. The the early stuff is. I think it's quite a bit different from uh, the more recent stuff. It's, okay. uh, it might be an evolution that's only obvious to us, but uh, the arrangements are a bit more complex than the early stuff. Yeah, like as I'm listening, you know, there's some 
surf comes up a lot in your bio. It comes up. So there's, there's like a surfy element to it, like that Southern California tremolo, picky, stratocaster, a lot of spring verb, reverb kind of thing. But it's it's a lot more complex than that. I mean, it's almost Zappa esque to a to a to a point. You know, Zappa is extremely complex and. He kind of you, there's no vocals here. This is all instrumental. I'd like to get that out of the way right away, yes. uh, which simplifies things in a lot of ways. Um, it gives yeah. you freedom in a lot of ways because you're not tied to having uh, a singer. There's no words to these songs, and that I mean, that brings up a whole bunch of different things, you know. Uh, but let's let's introduce everyone first, and I want to play something from the new record. And we're gonna have a, a good chat, at least I hope. Seems like maybe you let me in on a couple of the in jokes as we get through this. So, uh, Paul, you've heard from already. Paul Lax, and he's a French spelling of Lax. It's not L A X, L A Q U E S, if I if I'm correct. That's pretty close. Pretty close. Did I get it wrong? There's a C in there somewhere. Oh man, I, maybe I messed it up last time too because you were on with Gary Spihar not too terribly long ago. Uh-huh. Okay, so there's a C. All right. Well, my my apologies for the uh, lack no of a C there. Um, and on electric guitar, we have Marcus Watkins. Say hello. Hello. On bass, we have Mark. Is it Doton? Doton, you got it right. All right, Perfect. German? No, it's English. English. Originally Doty. Okay, interesting. And it's then Joe me. Bernardi on drums, correct? No, Berardi. Berardi. <laughs> Man, <laughs> someone <laughs> sent me a list of stuff that had some spelling. You stumbled on the first uh, inside spy car joke. Yeah, we, Joel, we do, Joel we do call him Joe Bernardi. Well, I've, I've heard that a million times uh, because for, I guess for, it's easier to throw an N in there. Bernardi seems more. More pronounceable? I don't yeah. know. Well, but my there's apologies. no end, so it always gets thrown. Well, I'm going to blame it on Paul because he okay, sent me the email you know, with everyone's you know. names on it. So blame Bernardi it on him. Pearly. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah. So now, started off, was it was it more traditional when it started and then evolved to be more complex? Or like how did lo- it get from there to here? This is Mark. It was loungier. Okay. It's still loungy, but it, it was kind of almost... Right, the original tunes were a little more loungy, maybe some country. Yeah, more major chords, um, a lot less use of distortion and effects. Okay. Uh, uh, It was, yeah, we were kind of, I think a big influence, believe it or not, was the guitar player in Chris Isaac's band. Oh, yeah. um, Jimmy Wilsey, brilliant player. And also... Was he the Wicked Game? Yeah. Because he he switched guitar players along along the way, didn't he? Did Chris get a new guitar player somewhere? Probably, yeah. Jimmy Wilsey wasn't there forever, but he's got the clap. Beautiful, shimmering, yeah, super clean sound, and then those kind of chord progressions. There was uh, that was actually a bit of an inspiration for uh, a few of the tunes, sort of a jumping. Yeah, off there, place. there's definitely like an L.A. noir, yeah, like feel to what you guys do because that's the the thing about L.A. I find so fascinating. I've been here oh, well over a decade now, coming from somewhere else, and you know, L.A. Doesn't have like a singular identity, I don't think, like other cities seem to have. Like everybody knows what the New York thing is, or what the Chicago thing is, or the the Boston thing. Like even though those are kind of stereotypes, like they exist for a reason, and there's a lot of that going on in that place. But L.A., like everybody from every town comes here. You guys, a lot of you are natives. Three out of three out of four, you are natives. Native Californians. Um, So. you can definitely see it if you're a native here. You see all of us come tumbling in, every crazy person chasing their dreams from every uh, every town in America. So it serves to reason that that's the kind of thing that happens here musically. Because there's so many different little scenes, and they cross pollinate. I think you guys cross pollinate within the same band. Yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, all right. You guys have got a brand new record, Moof. Dare I ask what move comes from? Is that something you can say on the radio or the M double O F? We were looking for titles. We 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 uh, 
we had all the songs, and normally uh, the way we work songs up, we'll have a title, you know, long before the record's coming out, but we were faced with, oh, it's time to put the record out, and we didn't really have titles, so we asked everybody, and Nels Klein came up with Moof. Yeah, so, Nels uh, Klein of Wilco and many other bands as yeah. well. Yeah. It just seems right. It kind of doesn't mean anything, and it's vivid it's, looking. Yeah. It looks vivid. It's evocative, but it doesn't have any meaning. Yeah, evocative, I guess, is yeah. the right word. because it's, But you don't know what it's evoking. It's just... Right. Well, that's the best. The ambiguity is a beautiful, beautiful yeah. thing because it allows you to like imprint upon it whatever it is you think Moof is. Exactly. All right, so this is the band, Double Knot Spy Car, Los Angeles-based band. They are an instrumental band. They're going to play some live songs in our studio here in just a second. Very warm studio this time of year, I might add. So let's hear this. This is the song. Where'd it go? Criminal Luminosity, Double Knot Spy Car on Independence Day.
My name is Joe Armstrong. Thank you ever so much for listening to Independence Day. Come to you Wednesday nights, indepday.com. That's I-N-D-E-P-D-A-Y.com. Also on Instagram and Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. You know where to find us. Uh, I'm the host of this show, and uh, man, do I love talking to musicians. And tonight, today is no exception. Hello, gentlemen. How are you? Great. All right. Good. I have the boys from Double Knot Spy Car here. They are an L.A. noir surf Zappa-esque genre mashing band. And uh, so we're gonna, they're going to play some songs, like I said, in just a few minutes. But the first question I want to ask you proper is, like, is challenging the audience, like, is that part of the plan? Or is this more of a, or is this more about you guys getting off and what you're doing musically? I don't think we think about anybody other than ourselves. <laughs> well, <sir. laughs> seriously, I mean, it's we 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 write stuff to entertain ourselves. Yeah, and, yeah, and I think yeah, and then hopefully the audience will be entertained as well. I don't know if it's about challenging them though. You know, it's more. Like it, if it's entertaining for us, we feel right. like other people are going to like it. Right. Hopefully, you know. But it's not about trying to uh, challenge. Yeah. You know? Or please them. For yeah. That it, matter. Well. Yeah. It it comes really. from a pretty organic place, you know, when yeah. we're developing the songs. So it's people tend to respond to it because it's genuine, even right. if it's weird or something that that might be challenging, you know as a concept but once they they witness it especially live they see we're laughing we're having fun we yeah. we interact with each other there's um there's a lightheartedness that goes to it that's not like you know and it's yeah yeah that's true now that brings to mind something which kind of helps it, uh, define why this is the way it is at least the way i understand it you know just run down real quick like all the like you guys each play in a lot of different bands so like this gets to be kind of a place where you're not serving anyone else. To your point from before, mm -hmm. you're serving yourselves here. Yeah. It allows right. you to play exactly what you want to do instead of to have to like find a line to fit in behind the vocal or groove while the vocalist introduces the band. And that just keeps coming back to that vocals thing. You know, first of all, I mean removing that vocal changes a lot about a band. And it makes it's hard to find song titles too, I would imagine. Well, it is yeah. lot, lot pretty up for grabs. A lot of times the song titles come first, yeah, and then you know they kind of sit on a list and then find one that fits the right. song that we wrote. You know? right. Well, that's just it. Like yeah. it's a tabula rasa. Like yeah. sometimes, uh, like you're saying before, uh, sometimes a song title of a of instrumental is a uh oh uh oh party foul is evocative. Like a song title is evocative of what it sounds like. You know, uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan's song "A Riviera Paradise." You know, it sounds like it could be that, whatever that is. The word yeah. Riviera and Paradise is kind of implied in that song. But then, you know, some of your titles or other instrumental titles might have nothing to do whatsoever with what they're doing. So do you, so you, do you literally have like a list of like crazy song titles? Yeah. Yeah. Stockpiled yeah. And yeah. we asked other people to help us with this last record. Because, you know, and that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, <clears throat> we did try to um, match the what the title evokes to what the music sounds like. Okay. You know, we do take that into consideration. Okay. But it's hard, you know, and it's sometimes there's great list of songs and then none of them really have that specific sound. Like if, you, if you have one tune that needs a title and these, there's like 10 amazing titles, but they just don't really work musically. Right. So it's, it can be a challenge. But yeah, we, you know, we try to match it as close as, you know. That's the funny thing about limitations and art. Limitations are actually good for art. Oh, yeah. People think yeah. that like, you know, like now we all have the pro tools and you can do unlimited tracks yeah. and you can overdub and change and twist. And let's like we have I, I, it's a challenge for me as a writer and as an engineer. We have too many options. 
you know, and guitar pedals and bass pedals and loopers and all these different things. It's like it's, we can do anything, you know, but therein lies a different challenge. You like still got to do something. But that's what I'm saying. Yeah. To, to like <laughs> distill it down to, well, what is it? We know what it's not, or, you know, what is it? Or what is it not? You know what I mean? I don't know we're getting out on an ex- existential thing concept here about writing. Talk to me about how this band writes, because again, with instrumentals, you know, it's a different concept when you're coming in. Sometimes it, there's a melody, sometimes it's a groove. Like, how do you, do you guys write together? Do you bring stuff in separately? How do you do it? Little of both. It takes a long time to write a song. Usually, sometimes someone has an idea and then the band finishes it. Usually, that's sort of what it is, right? There'll be yeah, like one, some one guitar line or a drum yeah. groove or something that uh, will. And uh, one thing I really like about this band is it's kind of like the we really follow the rules of improv, which is you don't let your your uh, musical brothers and sisters down. Someone does something, you don't go, "What are you doing?" You you find a part, Support and yeah. right. the more yeah. odd the part is, it or, or maybe sometimes the more straightforward the part, it it uh, the complementary part that everyone else comes up with is uh, takes it in a completely different. Direction yeah. and and I think we are striving to do something a little different from what we did last time or what's on the radio or right. or if we have an influence it's Link Ray or or Morricone right. or somebody it's like well wait a minute that's been done so what could we do to make it you know we there there's some guiding principles as we yeah shape a tune we do want it to sound different but uh, there's a lot of ways the tunes evolve. Yeah, and people will hear this like when you guys play a song in a couple minutes. But like as you're listening to a tune, like you know, sometimes it'll come in, and like oh, you as a listener, you're thinking to yourself, okay, I've got this. This is this groove, and okay, there's the melody because you know your ear tries to kind of like find something to hold on to as a listener. You know, okay, there's the melody, and here comes the second verse where the you know even if it's a melody, and maybe it's now it's harmonized, and then it changes up style a little bit for the bridge, and then another chorus, and then you're out. So the, the ear, you know, we've all been trained as listeners to listen, you know, whether even in its styled, you know, stylistically centralized, you know, in jazz, it's one way and it's kind of borrowed blues is derivative of that and rock is derivative of that. And classical has got its own thing with Sonata Allegra form and all these different things. I paid a lot of money to learn about that in college, by the way. I just want to get that in there. <laughs> That's Italian. Um, what's that? That's Italian. Dang. Yes, it is. That's my, that's our research assistant back there, by the way, making some racket. Yeah. Uh, so, but in your case, uh, something literally might just come in completely out of left field. Now, how often is that idea something that is was endemic to the original idea? Like you had the verse and then you said to yourself, like, Paul, like, see, you bring a song in. And like, okay, uh, it's going to do this, this, and this, and then I want it to go somewhere completely off in that other direction. Or are you, when you're working out the song, does Marcus bring in an idea and then goes, well, hey, I think we should do this here. You know what I'm, do you see what I'm saying? Like, does it become a collab? Do the odd ideas come out of collaboration, or do people tend to bring in more, like complete odd ideas? Well, am I making myself clear? Well, there's like like an example is the song "Men Without Steel," was one that we had been playing for a while and working up, and there was a bridge that we were playing that you know was cool. It kind of had an improv thing. It changed colors. It went to a a, a completely different minor key and everything, and we had not played it for quite a while and it came time for us to work it up to record it. And I was just messing around with just a weird chord idea, you know, and, and brought that in that made no sense at all to the song. And we just started playing it. And then we developed this whole new section that was like, that's an example. It was just literally just an odd string of chords. And somehow we ended up, once we played it together, it made sense. 
Yeah, yeah. So, made yeah. it make sense. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. We dropped it into the middle of the tune and it and massaged the edges and right. it all worked. You know. Yeah, that's a good example of when when Marcus brought in the chords. They're very complex. Key changes. There's an implied that it's going here and it doesn't. Right. And when I first heard it, I'm like, I cannot make any sense out of this. I can't come up with parts. It's not melodic. This just doesn't work. But yeah. it's kind of like, but we're going to do it. It's bit, that's kind of our, yeah. our ethos. So it's like, yeah, right. let's. all right, I'm going to make something out of it. And now it makes perfect sense to me. It's, right. a, it's a great yeah. chord progression. It was just over my head uh, at the moment, but, but because we all dug into it, it, it now sounds very musical to me. So it goes from... What is this? To yeah, this is uh, this is uh, the human we're brain happy to do is, this. is very interesting that way. Like I was referencing that a few minutes ago. Like it, like we, there are like little like oral AU oral signposts that we're kind of trained to hear. Like I said mm-hmm. before, here's the intro, and then here's the verse, and then here's the chorus, and then and then you know music has got that repetitive aspect where like things come back, but then they're developed and expanded upon, and you know it ties in very much to what you guys are doing in a very experimental way. You know, you're just that's I think therein lies the challenge. Maybe it's you're challenging yourselves more than the audience. Well, I think it's still, you know, the we still follow some some simple rules of voice leading and stuff like that. If you were to break it down harmonically, you know, we just what we'll play around is is, you know, something will happen in the melody that's like, you know, that's an obvious voice leading movement that feels natural. And then what we'll do is kind of challenge ourselves, okay, how can we tweak that to where it feels a little bit different? Or the other way around, we're we're resolving you know a simple chord progression, and and Paul's really good at this. Is just like he'll hang on a note that you weren't expecting, you know, and and not resolve it, but it makes perfect sense, right? You know, but it's a way. So there's like you know you, you're sitting there and saying, well that that feels familiar, but well something's a little off, yeah. But it's but I'm okay with that, you know, and that's yeah. kind of I think that's and, how. how our harmony works. That whole philosophy becomes a language right. of the band. You know, it's not a specific musical language note-wise, but it's an idea. Right. If you listen to the band a lot, you start to sort of feel that. You right. Get it. You know. Well, totally. I mean, so many bands, like pi- pioneering bands, the Beatles, Bowie, Pink Floyd. Uh, yes, bands who are kind of pushing the envelope of what like pop or popular music can be all had to kind of establish something that was new at that time. And the listener initially, you know, if humans, <laughs> we fear change. You know, it's been bred into us for thousands of years. You know, it's, some of us have come to like it, but things that are, you know, unusual to us are sometimes distasteful to us until you've heard it a couple times. And then just like to your point, it becomes, oh, I actually like that. That's cool. You know what I mean? Like the last yeah. band to do that, I don't know. Well, Nels Klein is involved in a lot of experimental music like yeah. that, and he's a guest on some of the songs on the record. Um, but I think of like Radiohead, for example. Like they're still, you know, I, I liked them initially because they were a rock band, but then then they turned into something else, something mm-hmm. completely different from that, with like long, almost electronic sounding drum parts with improvised stuff over that. You know, so they're still challenging me as a listener. You know, I'm I'm not 22, so it's different. My my neural synapses aren't as pliable as they once were, perhaps. But I want to hear something different, you know. But that's that 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 hook, getting them to listen that first time, and then getting them to trust you as an ensemble, I think, is key. Anyway, let's hear that yeah. song. You referenced that song uh, just a second ago, "Men Without Steel." Like, well, let's let's play that. Is that cool? 
Yeah, yeah, let's do it. All right, boys, this is Double Knot Spycar. This is their song from their brand new record, which is called Moof, right? Moof. I have to say that with a smirk every time I say it. Moof. All right, so this is Double Knot Spycar. The song is Men Without Steel on Independence Day. We're back. 
Never get to say that. You just said that a second ago. I thought I would bring us back in with that. My name is Joe Armstrong. That is the song Men Without Steel, the band is Double Knot Spy Car, comprised of some fairly legendary Los Angeles musicians. Uh, why don't you guys just run down like all, like just a little, like a quick resume of the people you've played with to give people an idea of like the lineage in this band. Wow. Just kind of roll down there. Just some people. <laughs> Anyone can start. Uh, yeah. Jo- Joe has a pretty Joe. Joe Hardy, why don't yeah. you go ahead? Um, Oh, uh, let's see. Uh, now I'm drawing a blank. I, let's see. I, I started out a long time ago with a band, a local band called the Fibonacci's. That goes back to the early 80s. And uh, we played around a lot. We were, we were popular locally. And then uh, I played with Stan Ridgway from Walla Voodoo. I don't know if you know him, but um, singer from Walla Voodoo. I played with him for a long time. Um, and then, but now, and then all kinds of people in between and... Um, I have my own group called Non Credo with uh, my musical partner Kira Volman, and we have sort of an ongoing thing for the last twenty years. We, it's like a writing, uh, more more of a writing thing, but we do right. play some gigs, and uh, and then you know all kinds of stuff um, that I'm just drawing blanks on. But um, huh? Stan Ridgeway. Yeah, I said that. Yeah, he mentioned that. Oh, we got that in there. You got to keep up. You're not Joe, listening. You play I with did Stan not. Ridgeway? I did not offer a second. And then there's Stan Ridgway. Yeah. And then uh, don't forget Stan Ridgway. And then I was with Stan Ridgway. Now, uh, yeah, just all kinds of stuff. You know, it's a long. It is a long list, but um, you know, I I do uh, pretty lucky because I get to play with pretty interesting people. Like uh, uh, I don't know if you know Ann Magnuson. Mm-hmm. She's a singer. She used to be in a band called Bongwater, and uh, she's kind of a came out of the performance art scene and so playing with her is not just playing a bunch of songs it's like she involves the band almost theatrically so that's fun you know and she's um she's pretty well respected out there in the sort of performance world and art world so so i you know it's not just playing in bands i I get to sort of branch out do all kinds of things like that so it's it's cool yeah paul um well i've I mean, I've been in million. I've mostly done my own bands. Yeah. This is actually my twenty fifth album of wow original band material. I just congratulations. Wow. Thank really? you. I, yes. <coughs> so it's mostly just tons of L.A. bands over the years. I guess my current bands are, are this band, of course, and Earthworm Ensemble, which is a kids band. Icy Hawks in L.A., which is a country band, and just going back, I don't know. There's the Bone Daddies and the Under Things, and I had a polka band called Rotondi that Sweet. did quite a few records. There's a, uh, a Polish restaurant right down the road here I've been meaning to go to. I jog past oh, it almost every day. It's called Polka, right? It is called Polka. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Polka. Yeah, it's like uh, kind of on the edge of Glossel Parks, Glendale yeah. area, yep. kind of tucked in there. I've been meaning to yeah, go yeah. for a long time, and I hope they don't close. Because like every restaurant I want, what's yeah. that? It's it has, been there a very been there a long time. time. But like I, I swear to God, every time I see mm-hmm. a restaurant, I'm like I'm going to go there. Like the next week, they seem right. to be close. So I hope I haven't jinxed them. <laughs> um, and who was next here? Mark, what's your uh, what's your resume about? Well, I'm original. I'm the only one originally from LA, and um, played in a lot of weird bands. But um, I guess the first one that really had an effect on me was a band called the Native Shrubs of the Santa Monica Mountains. And we only made an EP, but it was super composed, crazy pop music. And that was interesting. And um, oh, there'd been a few bumps in the road. I produced a couple records for Carlos Guitarlos. Oh, yeah. The infamous Carlos. And, That's um, a bump. Yeah, that was a bump. <laughs> and um, bumping in whatever he calls it. And uh, um, right now I'm in a band called the Atomic Sherpas, which is kind of a... Sp- 
a whacked out funk band. Is, I, does, was Mike Sessa involved with that? He at was some the original point? drummer. He, okay. he was the original drummer. Mike's yeah. a friend. Haven't seen yeah. Mike in a while. I think he's the last around. Time I bumped, he's around. Oh, I know he's around. Yeah. <laughs> I bumped into him uh, outside of Whole Foods. So right. the last time I saw Mike, so I asked him, "Hey, Mike, are you playing?" Soupy called him. You playing these days? And he's like, "And not much." Not it's like much, I can play yeah. for free any night of the week. And I he hasn't I, been I in I the band for a while. To. Yeah, he hasn't been in the band for a while. But he the, seems happy. Yeah, oh yeah, and um, so that's a really fun band, and uh, it's been around for a while. And um, I have a noise duo. I do improvise noise music. Joe does that stuff too, and yeah. um, called him Rich White. And uh, I have a studio. That's kind of my day job. What's Recoil. the studio called? It's called Trencoma Bootlegs. Okay. And uh, is that your main gig? Yep. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And um, so I produce a lot, record a lot, and play all kinds of different. Do you music. Get, did you guys do the Double Knot Spy Car record in your studio? Last couple. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Keep it in the family. Yeah. Keep it the budget under control. Marcus, how about you? Um, I am truly kind of like the the hired gun guy <laughs> as far as I yeah I work with a lot of different people doing a lot of different stuff um as far as long-term gigs that I've had well, I was in the bone daddies I took Paul's place as a matter of fact he and, walked in as I walked out yeah in 1991 <laughs> um and then since then yeah I've I've uh was Nina Hoggins guitar player for a number of years worked in France with uh David and Johnny Halliday and then currently, um, I do like, you know, pit band session work, backing up like John Lloyd Young from yeah. Jersey Boys. I'm in his yeah, band yeah. and stuff like that, you know, just, I love playing all kinds of music and yeah. You're, I mean, when the phone rings, with, I go. Uh, yeah, yeah. With Bill. Uh, yeah. And then I also play with uh, Bill Barrett, a chromatic harmonica player. We have a, a record we put out this past year called Crooked Philosophy. That's yeah. a duo record of kind of early jazz and. It's something. Yeah, it's, great it's something I find fascinating because, like, you get four musicians in a room, five if you include me, and the the web that goes out from there is mm. just fascinating to me. And how yeah. musicians tend to not delineate themselves stylistically as much as I think the audience might. Sure. You know, you see. Right. Uh, I don't know. You watched. I was watching some country special sometime, and it wasn't Vince Gill. It was one of those like better known but yet musically legitimate country cats. And he's known as a guitar player and a singer. And at one point, you know, they did their, it was a live show, so they were doing their kind of jam thing. And he went back and they did the trick where he he switched out with the drummer while they kept the beat going. And then he played, they played a Steely Dan song while he was playing drums. Like, so he played drums and even sing. Someone else stepped up to sing. And I was like, that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And it gave me a lot more respect for that particular artist. And I think it's fascinating to see, you know, like, so this is the band where you get this particular set of rocks off. Yeah. But, but you know what I mean? Yeah. But, Paul, you've got the opportunity to get your country rocks off on Icy Hawks in L.A., and you guys, like you're saying, you've got noise bands, we've got all these different things. And the other aspect of that is musicians, by and large, are all independent contractors. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know? We all go about doing what we do, and, you know, maybe some of us get that gravy gig where they, you know, play with Dwight Yoakam, for example, for 10 years or 15 years. So that becomes kind of a, I want to say a work-a-day thing, because that never really gets to be a work-a-day thing. But unless you're doing like the Jersey Boys thing, or you're mm. playing theater tunes or pit band work, that kind of thing, even those people, it's all you know. You mm. you kind of cobble together an existence in your studio. You cobble together an existence from a number of different 
I've done know, some pit band stuff streams. too. Yeah. Any any on uh, top of that. Well, I'm sorry. What's that? I've done some pit band stuff too. So, yeah. yeah. Any uh any any funny horror stories anyone would like to share of like showing up in like Mojave to play a high school and it's 120 degrees or sometime well, when someone stole something you were playing while you were playing it. <laughs> well, uh, my very first ever national television performance was uh, it was early 90s. It was for a PBS series called the Lonesome Pine Special. It was a national concert series that um, uh, was taped in, in, in Louisville, Kentucky. And you said it properly too. Yeah. Louisville. <laughs> yeah. And so when I... Uh, uh, the, the the song started where the vocalist did an acapella intro. You know, it was like a good, you know, eight or sixteen bar, you know, beautiful, you know, harmonized vocal part. And then I come up with the guitar intro. So they did the beautiful thing, pack theater, cameras are on, and I went to play and my amp was still on standby. I forgot to turn it on. Mm. Ouch. Yeah. That was my first note I ever played on national television was not heard. <laughs> It's funny too because like those are the types of things like it's not to be cruel but like those things get people fired, you know. Yeah. It's like that's the big like you got to perform literally yeah. when it's your cue to perform. Yeah. You know? Did you did you catch heat for that or was it more of a laughing? No, because I'd never find anyone who'd work as cheap as I did. Oh. <laughs> you can't no. fire them if they're working for free. Yeah, you get yeah. what you pay for. Yeah. And you're all the way out in Louisville. Yeah, exactly. But you probably never made that mistake again. No. No. I was no. First and only well, that's time. the thing. Like you know, you. Yeah. Ca- I feel like you kind of you get one gimme. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then if if you're lucky, and then you learn from that mistake. But that sometimes like those are the best lessons though, because those are the lessons. That, like you said, like mm-hmm. you, uh, they stick. You stick yeah. because yeah. you never made. I was I was a professional guitar tech for a while, and you know we were touring at the bus and planes level, and I handed my guy a guitar, and he went in to play the song, and it was because back then. You tune, you know, we had, I made mm-hmm. a Peterson Strobe tuner, so everything was kind of closed, but I never listened to the guitar. I just tuned it, and I made one mistake. One string was half a step out because they had all these cockamamie tunings. Perfectly in tune, a half step Perfectly up. in tune, just one yeah. string. Right. Perfectly in tune, but that's all it takes, totally. you know, and I got some sour looks. Now, I switched mm-hmm. out that guitar quick like a bunny, and they got the other guitar on, and they were off and running, but, you know, like, you don't get many of those mistakes. That's yeah. a mistake I, I never made again. Yeah. I switched it up. Like, I actually, I worked my whole, I redid my whole rig so that I had a set of headphones mm-hmm. so that I could, because I trust my ear above all. You know, the guitar, can, I can tell me it's in tune, but sometimes, you know, you have, like, weird tempered tunings and stuff. Yeah. And I would play it, and I would hear it, like, okay, now, I'm, now I know I'm not getting fired. Yeah. Because right. I know yeah. that that guitar is at least in tune with itself. I, and off I had that happen to, with a guitar tech in France. He, um... They handed me acoustic guitar I played on one song and and but it was it was something crazy like the, the you know the E string was tuned all the way up to an A. Oh my. Yeah, like I mean I don't know how it made it there. In my but, own defense it was only half a step. Yeah, this one was like yeah, it was like a fourth away or something. So and it wow. was like and it was a piece where you know like uh, the the acoustic was like you know this um you know individually plucked string intro thing. It was actually the guy David Halliday, like his number one record at the time, like that. That was the oh, single, sorry. and so I went, you know, to do it, and then it's just like, bing, you know, and and I like that. Remember that? Yeah, you're going to incorporate that in the next double But when, but but I remember the tech who was who was amazing. I mean, and just on it, but and and took such pride in his work that like, yeah. I mean, if he could have committed Harry Carey at oh, that yeah. point, you I was know, mortified. yeah, he was just like yeah. he was, and I was like, dude, it's a mistake. It happens to the everyone. Yeah. But he was just like, no, there's no excuse, you know. Yeah. But it, with his thick French accent, you know, made yeah. it hit hit all the closer home, you know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> anyone worth their salt takes all these things very, very seriously. Yeah. 
you know, because you are performing. You're out in, you're out in the wind, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, do you know who Jonathan Brooke is? Singer-songwriter, Boston-based. She was out here for a while, then she was in New York. Now I think she's in Minneapolis. But she she does all kinds. Like, she invents tunings. She's mm-hmm. one of those people. And it's brilliant. The stuff that she does is really, really intricate on the guitar. I've been a fan of hers for a while. And I saw her. I used to live in New York, and I saw that kind of same kind of deal where I think mm-hmm. this wasn't like half steps or fourths. You know, mm-hmm. this was just because her tunings were so unusual they just were kind of non-tempered within the guitar. Like they yeah. just didn't really work with themselves because she'd do things up high with all these open strings, like blending mm-hmm. in with that. And like the farther out you get fret-wise mm-hmm. from your open strings, the bigger chance it's the intonation's going to be out. And if it's an acoustic guitar where you mm-hmm. can't actually set the intonation, we're getting into like some math nerd stuff about guitar here. It, I love this stuff. You can't, fi- <laughs> you can't fix it. It's, yeah. you know, so you, you, I would have done what I eventually learned to do, which was listen. Mm-hmm. Put on a set of headphones. Okay, is this guitar, can it play with itself? And then we go from there. Anyway, we don't want to get too far in the weeds with like musical nerd stuff. But this well, the show is kind of about musical nerds. We're all musical nerds here, right? This is much more interesting than, um, you know, where were you born and all that. Yeah. Like, we, we like talking music. Trick question. Are you any of you guys Zappa fans? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Sure. Different eras. I'm, I'm fanatical about like his first five records and... Yeah, I'm the same. I, 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 like, I like the early, early stuff, stuff too. Best. There's definitely like, certain bands inspire, you know, the, lots of bands, any band you've heard of inspires people to be fans of that particular band or artist. But certain bands have like that cult sort of thing, you know, where it's like, uh, I'm a big Tom Waits fan. And when I first, I've only got to see him in concert one time. And I remember going to the Chicago theater and standing out front before the show as everyone was walking in. It's like, this is what we look like. Because I didn't know that many other friends. Like, I existed unto myself as, like, an island of Tom Waits. And, like, a couple of my friends had gotten into it over the, you know, over the years. Um, but then I just didn't know a network of time. This is before the internet became a way to connect with every conceivable micro-nano group. And, like, oh, this is, this is what we look like. Yeah. This is what yeah. we sound like. So then even in the show, like, sitting, waiting for him to start playing, it's like, this just felt weird. Because Tom <laughs> Waits was so mine. And so unique to me among my friends. Like, I can't tell you. I used to use it as a dating litmus test, right? (laughs) When I meet a new girl, they don't have to love Tom Waits. But if they hate Tom Waits, it's probably not going to work. At least if they're willing to open their ears and appreciate something that challenges you a little bit. And Zappa is very, very much like that. Yeah, it's not something you're going to be neutral about. Yeah, uh, polarizing. No, there's a lot of people that hate Zappa. And another question, uh, do you know? Then I want you guys to play a song here in just a second. Mm-hmm. But before we get to that, do you do you ever cover anything? A little yeah. bit. Little yeah, bit. we yeah. we yeah, and I, I I really enjoy our covers. We we do a um, what are some of the, uh, we don't we don't we, do we, that. We well, we, we had move. a we had a um uh, a full. Who's Fellini? Um, no, Nina Rota. Compo- oh, Nina, Nina Rota. Rota. Sorry, yeah. drew a blank. Okay, we had a. Juliet Gr- of the Spirits. Yeah. We got to relearn that. We got to relearn yeah, that. We had a really piece. great arrangement of that. We did, we did a monk. Actually, do we do any covers right now? Yeah, we do uh, The Mooch. The Mooch, the Mooch by Ellington. And then, we uh, used to do record. some monk. And, then and it's did- too bad that Mr. Scaramucci didn't last as the White House yeah, communications the Mooch, director because yeah. yeah. that could have been like your thing. It's, it's yeah. the, where is theme song? He uh, doesn't know that yet. He's single. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I know Moose the Mooch was a drug dealer. I don't know who the Mooch is. Ellington, I don't know so. that story. Yeah, yeah. 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 And we also do that uh, song, uh, "The Big Hurt." Oh yeah, the yeah, big hurt. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but then when you, you know, all bands kind of reinterpret to a certain extent. Like, do you like double knots by carify it? You know, oh, yeah. just kind sure. of yeah. Yeah. smash yeah. it apart oh, with elemental much, yeah. parts and yeah, like the uh, um, the Nina Rota tune is 
bass drums, guitar, and steel guitar. I mean, it's it's quite different from uh, yeah. the Lush arrangement. But uh, yeah, it's you, you definitely make it your own if you... Uh, I think kind of like, I don't know, if Paul, you'd agree with me, kind of a turning point for the band. It was, it was right before Mark joined and before Joe joined, when it was still Rick and Tempo, and we were called Pink Floyd the Barber at that time, we were on a compilation album that was a tribute to the residents. Oh, that's right. And, right. and Joe oh, was yeah, actually... we're on that, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Not Credo, yeah. Yeah. And so, and the tune, I can't even remember the name of the song we got, yeah. but we just, the version we did, we, bef- we weren't even called Double Knot Spy Car yet, but we definitely spy card that tune, because it was, it was an odd, you know, kind of electronic-based dirgy tune and we turned it into this kind of rolling tribal kind of drum beat driven groove completely different from what it was but um i felt like that kind of like at that point that was it felt like that's the direction where we needed to go and then like and then joe and mark totally gel with that kind of like what we were doing at that point when because paul had mentioned early on kind of doing these more like kind of major chords or a little more conventional, but we were experimenting. But it was kind of like that point was like, oh wait a minute, what whatever we just whatever this song was that we just played and how we played it, I wouldn't know begin to know how to describe it. But I think we need to do that again. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah more yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was very dissonant, very um, angular, uh, dissonant. Basically, we had, yeah. yeah, we hadn't really delved into dissonance that much. Yeah, that that probably was a good uh, like you were yeah. saying a limitation becomes like actually opens up a lot of doors. Right, then when right, Mark right. joined, uh, <laughs> Mark hates playing. If you're an A, he's like, how do I avoid playing the note A? So he yeah. brought a whole other level of uh, deliberate dissonance and yeah. uh, Guilty. rebellion against our own selves. Yeah. Well, you, guys, you, know, you guys have demurred and, and kind of denied it a little bit, but there is challenge in this. Like mm-hmm. Whether you know it or not, you are challenging your audience. Like By challenging yourselves, you're challenging the audience. Because like, that, that concept alone, if you're playing an A and you're trying to avoid but that's not about the audience. We hope there's an audience, and if they're challenged, that's cool. Right. But yeah. it's that's not how that happens. Right. But I guess that's you my know? point. Yeah. You're de facto challenging them right. because you're challenging yeah. yourselves. Right. right. You yeah. know, if you're that's playing true. an A and you're trying to avoid playing the A, you know, look, I took all those music theory classes. Like you can play your fifth and do your root thing, but if you don't resolve that down to the A, you're still kind of in the wind. I'm just looking for something I haven't heard before. That's yeah. all. <laughs> exactly. You and me both. Regardless, right. regardless of why you haven't heard it yet. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Why don't we guys, let's play another tune here. Uh, we've got we dragged a lot of gear out, and we're enduring some uh, Los Angeles summer temperatures to do this. So what's this next tune? Paul, Peaches sans ale. And mostly I wanted you to set that up because I don't I don't know anything about French and I can't pronounce that to say. Well, it's a like. play on Peaches and Herb. You know, right. the band. It's Peaches without herbs. It's probably terrible fake French, I'm sure yeah. it is. But uh yeah. it's uh, and a humorous the, title. The thing is, Joe's the got thing his about that is see, yeah. there's only one herb, but there are many peaches. So <laughs> it's kind of backwards. I mean, it's kind of there's like 14 peaches, only one herb. Okay, we've got some kind of translator set up here. Hold on. Yeah, no, this, in the band. The translation. Oh. Hold on, here, wait, here, hear this. Now hear this. Peaches without herbs. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Joe. That's yeah, nice. That's not the... Peaches sans herbe. There we go. One more time? Let me do that again. Pêche. One more time, one more time. Hold on, hold on. Yeah. This next song is called... Peche sans herbe. Oh, very nice. I used to introduce things with a speak and spell on my college radio show. <laughs> oh, w- yeah. Nice. W-J-M-U. And then they would only work with certain artists. Like I could play Edie Brickell and I could go E, D. 
and that worked. So let's, let's see what this is a different yeah. world, you know, with well, an iPhone. Yeah, this oh, thing, yeah. The you possibilities can, are endless. You can do anything. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So this is Double Knot Spy Car. I want you guys to dig this. It's going to be kind of challenging, but in a cool way. Allow yourself to roll with this. Maybe pour yourself a nice tumbler of scotch, maybe two fingers, <laughs> maybe three if necessary. So check this out. The band is Double Knot Spy Car. The show is Independence Day. I am Joe Armstrong. This is Peaches, Sands, Herbs. That's how Americans would say it. Not Spy Car and Independence Day, Peaches, Sons, Herbs, or something akin to that. Uh, thank you, boys, for coming in and doing this. Thank you for playing. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Always, a, Thanks it's for it's having always a treat. One of my favorite things, man. Music is like my number one thing. 
I mean, I, I love mountains and I love dogs and I love uh, a good, nice, tall glass of Indian pale ale. There's many things that I love. I have many passions. But music is a chief among them. And sharing music and sharing conversation about music are why I do this show, precisely. So thank you guys for coming in, each and every one of you, for sharing your music and sharing your stories. I appreciate that so very much. Um, But before we get you out of here, uh, you've got another song in a few minutes, but i got a couple more questions. Um, One thing you guys have had a chance to do, as I understand it, is back up some other artists as a band, which then gives you a chance to then become another identity. Am I correct about this? Have you backed up other artists? Because it's uh, in the bio, uh, so if you're, it, you're well, lying yeah. to me. Individually, <laughs> it's quite a list. Um, as Double Knot Spiker, we backed up uh, James Elroy, believe it or not, the crime okay. novelist. Yeah, yeah. That was pretty amazing mm-hmm. because uh, he's incredibly enthusiastic with uh, his own concept of where one, two, three, and four are. But uh, that was great. His, his okay. fans were like freaking out that he's up there singing a lounge song. Uh, okay. Who else have we backed up? Mm-hmm. Barry Smolin. Well, as a, Smolin. yeah, as a band, we do, mm-hmm. we did Barry Smolin. We did one of his records. Yeah, one or two. Uh, and then we've done things like three out of the four of us. Okay, like do people's recording projects, right. and they'll hire three out of four in any various combination. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's almost the full band, and it right. definitely gets that sound. I mean, the thing that's I think a lot of people like that's that's appealing is that we we do have a you know obviously have a rapport yeah. musically. And so even if you take three of us, we bring something as as a trio really unique to that to right. their music. And if they want that, right. this is where you get it. If they don't want it, then it's going to be a problem. But. Well, well, they know what they're getting. <laughs> like they're not, you know, they're not going to hire you because yeah, they no, know exactly. why, they're, yeah. why they're hiring so, you. So, yeah, um, you know, so even if it's only three out of four, we do, we do bring that sound. Yeah. And so people, yeah, we... I guess that's what I'm getting at, because then it allows a band, like examples that I came up with, there's a million of these types of examples, but uh, there's two that revolve around Dylan. Tom Petty toured, and his whole band, the Heartbreakers, toured, you know, when they could be doing their own thing. They took a lot of time out. They did like that never-ending tour with Dylan in the 80s, and they played hundreds of shows with him. Um, And the band backed up Mm -hmm. Dylan. Like That allows Mm -hmm. a band to kind of both retain their identity and then also... I say graft, but also like reinterpret someone's concept about what they're doing. Like, so when you guys go to work with a band like that, like, do you, is it kind of the same concept you approach things with? Do you, uh, how, I guess, how does working with another artist influence what you guys do as a it band? It really depends on the songs and it's mm-hmm. based on the songs and the, and the artist and yeah. what they want. Cause, yeah. Cause if they, if they have a, you know, really uh, fully composed tune, right. Um, and then they want us to just sort of bring, like, do what you do on this tune. Uh, if they give us that freedom, then we certainly do. But, you know, not everybody, uh, people want to direct right. what we do, sort of like tailor it to their needs. Right. But if, it's, if, we're, if we're given complete freedom like, uh, like Smolin did, you know, it's, it sounds like Double Not Spy Car with a singer, you know, with Barry's, yeah. Barry's tunes, you know, his tunes. So we, you know, we are playing the tunes, but it sounds like this band, you know. Right. And we did do a live show with about 15 different singers, and we had them pick, <clears throat> well, each one picked a tune that already existed and wrote lyrics and a, you know, and a, lyric, a vocal to go over it. And we did Your songs, show. you mean? Yes. Yeah. The yeah. band's yeah. great. Yeah. It, was it was great. It was really Karaoke fun. And it's night. on the list of things to do to make an album of that, because it, yeah. it was really fun. Well, it tell was me, fun. Dave, tell me more about that. Like, how did you, how did you decide, how did that project even come to, well, come we just, to be? We just thought of it, but we, we thought, well, we should do a... a 
we thought, what's an easy way to do it? Yeah. So we didn't have to write anything. We right. we let yeah. them do the writing because right. we already wrote, and they just sang along with the record, and then we just played what we played, you know, more or less what we played on right. the record. There was some tailoring and well, and. and it all, happened. And through our band's history, there's been various things like, uh, you know, years ago, we had a residency at the old knitting factory in Hollywood. And, right. you know, and and I can't remember, what, but I think Paul was, you know, had, a, had a, you know, a small tour or something, so he left town. And so we decided to have guests come and learn songs. That's right, yeah. And so, you know, we did that. And because it was impossible to get one person... To play for, his parts. To yeah. play Paul's parts and, and for... Cruel, you, that would be yeah, cruel. That, yeah, I mean, if, if you were to charge an hour, hourly wage for that, we'd all be broke. But um, Broker. Yeah, but we did that, and there was another occasion where we played a, um, a record release party for um, Josie Cotton, and so we had a horn section play... Paul's parts. That's right, yeah. On, on that one. So we we had like these these occasions where if one of us can't be there, you, we got to bring in a, let's see right. if we're doing 10 songs, we better we're going to need 10 guests. Right. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so then yeah. who did you ask then? I guess is the next logical question because it's okay, we're going to do this show, we're going to play 15 of our tunes, we're going to have 15 different people come sing those like we, who we do you call? We asked all our friends, you know, friends and and family kind of. We know whoever volunteered, you know. Yeah. yeah. And let him, and whoever so, you could talk into it. And, <laughs> no, and one of the, and we, I mean, I, we had one woman who's like, you know, a friend of the band yeah. and a loyal, and, and just, and, yeah, and she'd never got on a mic and sang before and just came up and owned it, That's you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. And it was just, yeah. it, it was, was cool. yeah, so it was cool because it wasn't, you know, we had friends who were, you know, professional, experienced singers, but it was kind of more fun the people who are fans, you know, who are right. just, you know, who really yeah. just like, yeah, yeah, it was cool. I mean, what a great town to do that in. Yeah. Or to do that sort of this, thing. This in. place is uh, LA crawling. is crawling with big league, incredible, yeah. inspired musicians. It's it's uh, I mean, any type of music on any instrument yeah. played totally originally. There, everyone's here in Los Angeles. That's the it's, kind of fun it's thing. A, it's New an York's amazing like city for that. To a certain extent, Nashville's like that. To a certain extent, other cities less so. But I mean, because Los Angeles, you know, a lot of these musicians not only are they playing in the music business, they're playing in the TV business, they're playing in the film business, they're mm-hmm. doing video games, they're scoring films, scoring video games. Uh, or playing for their community too. There's the the, the the range of cultures here, right? And the the yeah. incredibly accomplished playing that comes out of all those, right? Uh, is is another way, and then they go on to play with you know. There's a lot of cross pollination here, and yeah. yeah, it's 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 a real. I think it's a real golden age of music. It's just a little bit under the radar because it's not yeah. exactly uh, pop, but uh, it's uh, I every time I go out and see something, I'm I'm knocked out. Technology has done strange things to everything, you know, and we're still kind of in its infancy, honestly, what the internet is capable of doing. But now we're at a place where you can learn about everything in some way, but you're still disconnected from it, right? You have to take that extra step to get out there and physically show up, and that's a great thing about music. I mean, I have friends who are making money doing, like, concerts over the web, like, in their house. They set them up, they do a couple a month, and they take donations, and they don't really ever have to leave their house, which is a brilliant thing. And it's kind of hybridized. It kind of has a little bit of both because they are doing live music. They're just not in the same room. So there's still vibrations and there's a, 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 a simpatico, a feel with the band, but they're just not in the same room. But I encourage people to get out and get out of your house. Yeah, you Just know? don't yeah. drive to the west side at 5 o'clock. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, all everything west, I always tell people, everything west of Western Avenue is west LA to me. 
because I live on like the northeast side of LA, and that's where I'm staying. Yeah. But yeah. uh, traffic is a consideration. Geographically, the city does present challenges. Very challenging. Um, yeah. But there's so many, like to your point, there's so many great musicians here. Like, for example, just on this record alone, you guys gave me a copy, gracious enough to give me the copy of the new record, Moof, the new record by Double Knot Spy Car. And just looking at the people listed here, uh, you guys got your pictures here. Uh, Mike Watts on this thing. Uh, how do you pronounce Sarah's last name? I don't know how to. Artizoni. 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 Okay. Artizoni. Adizoni, Ben Vaughn, Chris Lawrence, uh, oh, Joe Biza, I remember Joe. Danny Magoo, just saw him the other night. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Who else is on here? Nels Klein, we mentioned him from before. Mm-hmm. So it's like you can, when you, when you want to do it, like you get into that network, you work with people. And I guess that's the one thing I wish people would have told me when I was younger. They always say, like, it's who you know that's going to get you a gig. Mm-hmm. in the world, right? But coming out of where I came out of, like I didn't know anybody. So it seemed like a daunting task that wasn't even worth pursuing. But what they don't tell you is it's the people sideways from you, the people yeah. who are your peers, because somebody's going to get a gig. You kind of all come up together playing in jazz band or whatever you're playing in, or playing in your rock band. And then your bass player is going to get a gig. And if you showed up and if you were on time and you played cool stuff, Someday that bass player is going to be in some situation and he's going to go, or she is going to, the music director is going to come and say, Hey, we need a drummer for this gig, you know? And he's going to go, Hey, do you know Joe? Well, no, I don't, but let's call him up. We'll bring him in. And that's how you, then you get a gig, you know? That's the one, that's the one piece of advice. I say this all the time on the show that I wish, like I tell young musicians, like, get out and play. Get out and play. Yeah. yeah, you know, do the work, show up on time. Don't be high, don't be drunk, unless that's endemic to the band. Um, <laughs> and you know, go and and like be out among the people and do stuff. You know, one th- I want you guys to play one more song. But lastly, you know, we've all got a lot of seasoned musicians here. If you had one piece of advice to give a younger musician, what would it be? Practice. Yeah. Oh, with, look at that! Almost, almost yeah. together with yeah. a, with a metronome. Yeah, with a metronome. Yeah. Okay, that's it. I was gonna say study accounting. <laughs> yeah, I have my, my punchline for that is go to law school. House painting is the not best a bad thing, thing you can do for yeah. your music career is go to law school. Joe, did you have Indeed. a separate one or was it practice? No, that, that works for me. Yeah. All right, boys, we got one more tune here. What is this last tune? JanMichaelVincentRehab.com. Okay, and that title. This is an old. This is, where, where did this title come from? It, it, <laughs> he was he was the star of Airwolf, as I recall, yeah, yeah, in yes, the early and, 80s, well, which is a also, helicopter that flew around and like solved problems and stuff. Yes, and. Um, and also Big Wednesday, which okay. is an epic California movie. But um, it, it started because, I mean, to kind of give you an idea how long this band has been together, it was like the fact that by saying .com after Jan Michael Vincent yeah, that used was to be funny. Because, yeah, right. okay, yeah, like, the, the, like, you know, like the no. idea of there being a website was still kind of funny. And, like, when someone would say their band.com, everyone right. would go, you know, like, oh, you got a website. It, but so, I mean... That's where that still, came from. Yeah. <laughs> the question yeah. is... Plus, is, it's a surf tune. So. Is, is yeah. there a janmichaelvincent.com? Did you take the time to look up and see Rehab. if that actor has... Rehab.com. Rehab.com. Yeah. No, but is there a janmichaelvincent.com? I don't know. I, I, I haven't looked know. lately. I haven't looked. Ah, we should register see, the, Let's yeah. preserve the mystery. I have a feeling there probably is a janmichaelvincentrehab.com because every name seems to be taken yeah. by the infinitude. It's one of the biggest pages. challenges of getting a band together is finding a name that works. Well, yeah. we had a, we had, Our last record was called... Western violence with some sensuality. 
And just for fun, I looked it up, and there was already a band with a song called Western Violence with some sensuality. Really? It felt very crowded. We went with it anyway, but it was like, yeah, it's like if you have a thought now, there's 50 people that are sharing that thought. People are in your head at all times, like stealing your thoughts. Okay, so this is uh, the full title, janmichaelvincentrehab.com is the name of the tune, right? Yes. All right, Double Knot Spy Car, one last time in Independence Day. Boys and girls, that was Double Knot Spy Car. You can pick up their new record. It's called Moof, M-O-O-F, at doubleknotspycar.com. And it's N-A-U-G-H-T, in case anybody was wondering. The cool spelling of not, not not, like a Midwesterner would say it. That was the song, like I said, janmichaelvincentrehab.com. Boys, thank you. 
Thank you, Thank Thank you. so much. I apologize for the for the like the oppressive heat in our studio. We are a DIY operation, very much like bands are. We're independent mm-hmm. contractors here at Independence Day. So thank you for rolling with that. But as someone was saying, like the, it, maybe it plays into the music. Like it kind of makes it better in some weird way. Suffering is yeah. good for yeah. art, I think. I'm not saying you have to suffer yeah. to do good art. But you will. But you will, <laughs> you will suffer. And it invariably seems like it always winds up being good yeah. for it. Now, there was something you guys wanted to mention that you forgot to mention before. Yeah, we uh, we're talking about backing other people up. We did a record with the singer songwriter Stu, who was a definite L.A. you know big time songwriter. Hit it very big on Broadway with his play that Spike Lee filmed. And uh, but we did a completely improvised record with him, where the the rules were we're going to write a song, make it up on the spot, no second takes, no rehearsals, first thought, best thought, and. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll get you a copy of that. It turned out really well. I would really love well, to hear it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. One final question. This is just for you, Paul, because I've been meaning to bring this up since you walked in the door today. How hard is it to find a left-handed lap steel? Because I was just watching you playing left-handed I don't air think guitar. They, they don't. They don't exist. But it's the easiest thing to convert. Just kind of flip you just it flip the strings and take off the volume knob Move because volume you're going to be rubbing against it. Okay. So did you have to modify yours, or did you? They're buy all righties. Yeah. Okay. That yeah. was going to be my question. I only I own like, two actual left-handed instruments. I've uh, my guitar player in my high school band was left-handed, and you know, and it was a, it was a, let's just say it was a pain to find him a decent instrument. It's yeah, it, it's mm-hmm. cha- it's for sure. I've had the same guitar since I was 21. If that gives you an indication of uh, finding. Lefty yeah. instruments, yeah. It is a challenge, yeah. as Inspector Clouseau would say. <laughs> okay, boys, thank you again so much for coming out. It's been great to talk to you. People should drop by DoubleNotSpyCar.com to pick up the new record, as well as several other records that they've got. So thank you ever so much to Double Not Spy Car, also to the Independence Day staff, Del Tanksley, Wayne Topinski, and Sally Shackleton. The Randy, Tony Tonelok Piscotti manages the Independence Day website. Independence Day's theme music was composed by Great Lakes Myth Society. Check them out as well. As always, for Independence Day, I am Joe Armstrong. If you do anything today, please be good to one another.